You're about to listen to the audio-only version of my hit series, Debunked. That's right, there is video, but it's only viewable on The Daily Wire. So if you enjoyed this episode, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Gain access to both seasons, plus so much more. Use promo code DEBUNKED for 20% off. There's an incredible app everybody who buys gas needs to know about right now. Upside. So look at those gas prices. I know, you're thinking about it. and It's making you a little bit nauseous. Well, here's the thing. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download that free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Shapiro for 25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill up. Cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using Upside. You can download the app for free. Use promo code Shapiro for 25 cents per gallon or more on your very first tank of gas. You can earn cash back at grocery stores, restaurants, and with takeout too. You can cash out anytime to your bank account or get an e-gift card for select retailers and brands. Just download the free Upside app. Use promo code Shapiro. Get 25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your very first tank of gas. Use my promo code Shapiro right now. That's code Shapiro. Five bucks a gallon. If that sounds like fun to you, then for sure don't get that Upside app. But if you'd like to pay a little bit less at the pump, you really should check out Upside because Joe Biden isn't lowering your gas prices today. Upside is. Download the app for free. Use promo code Shapiro for 25 cents per gallon or more on your very first tank of gas. And again, you can earn cash back at grocery stores, restaurants, and with takeout as well. Use promo code Shapiro right now. That's code Shapiro when you download that free Upside app. If you are a responsible human being, you need life insurance. You're just walking around on the street one day and suddenly a truck just jumps the curve And as it is coming right for you, you think to yourself, man, I don't have time to jump out of the way, but I do have time to think about the fact I should have listened to Shapiro when he said get life insurance through Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an insurance comparison website that makes it easy to compare quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in one place to find your lowest price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Just head on over to policygenius.com, get personalized quotes in minutes, find the right policy for your needs. The licensed agents of Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. They are on hand throughout the entire process to help you understand your options so you can make decisions with confidence. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees. Your personal information is private. Policy Genius doesn't sell your details to third parties. They have thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot, and Policy Genius since 2014 has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance. They've placed over $150 billion in coverage. So join the millions and get the life insurance you need. Head on over to policygenius.com, get your free life insurance quotes, see how much you could save today. That's policygenius.com. Every girl is raised to be a housewife and a mother. She is not raised to be something other than that. What we are talking about is a revolution. Welcome to the new wave of feminism. To understand the sexual revolution of the 1960s, we have to understand first that it isn't anything new. In the early 19th century, the Romantic thinkers argued on behalf of sexual liberation, claiming that true happiness was to be found in authenticity rather than in the interplay of human nature and civilizing institutions. Poet Percy Shelley wrote, quote, In fact, religion and morality as they now stand compose a practical code of misery and servitude. The genius of human happiness must tear every leaf from the accursed book of God ere man can read the inscription on his heart. How would morality dressed up in stiff stays and finery start from her own disgusting image should she look in the mirror of nature? Or, as William Blake put it, sooner murder an infant in its cradle than nurse unacted desires. As philosopher Carl Truman writes, the foundation for the sexual revolution was set during this particular period, where in the writings of Jean-Jacques Rousseau, which suggested that human nature ought to be unbound from the falsities of civilization, took root 
One of the origins of the sexual revolution has been the, uh, the philosophical understanding of the self as an autonomous individual, uh, the understanding of human beings as those who can construct and create their own values, sexual values. The work of Marx and Nietzsche made the same argument from different points of view. Freud, however, went furthest. He now identified the locus of identity in sexual identity. As Freud writes in Civilization and Its Discontents, quote, Man's discovery that sexual, i.e. genital, love afforded him the strongest experience of satisfaction, and in fact provided him with the prototype of all happiness, must have suggested to him that he should continue to seek the satisfaction of happiness in his life along the path of sexual relations, and that he should make genital eroticism the central point of his life." Unquote. Tied up in the idea of sexual identity as central to who we are is the destruction of institutions that alienate us from that sexual identity. The idea of the sexual act as inherently political is wrapped up in this notion of sexual identity versus civilization. No matter how you identified, if you had heterosexual sex, it was quite possible you would produce a child. If you produced a child, you were likely to need the father to stick around. The entire society was structured around the needs of children. Marxist philosopher Wilhelm Reich explained, quote, it becomes apparent that it is not cultural activity itself which demands suppression and repression of sexuality, but only the present forms of this activity. And so one is willing to sacrifice these forms if by doing so, the terrible wretchedness of children could be eliminated. If institutions like marriage and family can be ripped down, we can be liberated. Which is why Reich calls the family, quote, the authoritarian state in miniature. Similar arguments about the necessity of the death of roles, roles like mother and wife and father and husband, pervaded the feminist movement. What are they liberating themselves from? Braziers and high heels. Female appurtenances that they think mark them as women who accept an ideal of femininity dictated by men. In 1949, Simone de Boivier wrote The Second Sex, arguing that, quote, the female is a woman insofar as she feels herself as such. Some essential biological givens are not part of her lived situation. For example, the structure of the ovum is not reflected in it. By contrast, an organ of slight biological importance like the clitoris plays a primary role in it. Nature does not define woman. It is she who defines herself by reclaiming nature for herself in her affectivity. De Boivier actually argued that society ought to bar women from becoming mothers in order to prevent women from making that choice because the choice was inherently derogatory. I think people haven't said this before, but you know, pregnancy is barbaric. In 1970, Shulamith Firestone wrote, the end goal of feminist revolution must be not just the elimination of male privilege, but of the sex distinction itself. Genital differences between human beings would no longer matter culturally. A reversion to an unobstructed pansexuality, Freud's polymorphous perversity, would probably supersede hetero, homo, bisexuality. Firestone foresaw a time of artificial reproduction, children being born to both sexes, motherhood being replaced, all in order to, quote, end the tyranny of the biological family. All of this nonsense would likely have remained fringe were it not for the invention of the pill, disconnecting sex from reproduction, and thus turning decisions regarding sex into political decisions, granting heroism to hedonism. Sexual relationships were made common. Promiscuity was treated as a virtue rather than a vice. Marriage was seen as old-fashioned and counter to the promise of fulfillment. According to Betty Friedan, marriage had turned women into walking corpses. I think that there should be pensions for housewives, paid vacations for housewives. They shouldn't be completely dependent on their husbands. That all this should be should be recognized. Marriage is uh, unpaid labor. I mean, no woman uh, is a free household slave. 
for each man. All of this was supposed to make women happier, but the promises of happiness that would come with greater sexual freedom were a mirage. The movement itself and the change that we've made and really has changed everybody's life, as, as, as I say in the book. But I'm not free. I, I, I'm all full of doubts. I hate going places alone still. So yes. I worry what to wear. I worry what people are going to think of me. I felt awful guilt so my children can make me feel guilty. Overall, women's self-reported happiness scores have declined precipitously between 1970 and 2005. Delaying marriage and child-rearing has created an epidemic of unhappiness. According to Dr. Dana Pamplova of the Institute of Sociology, a survey of women across 30 European countries found that contrary to our expectations, homemaking was positively associated with happiness, particularly among mothers who left higher quality employment for childcare. How do you feel about women's liberation? Woman's place is more at home than to advance herself too much. I know the girls in my office are the way I do. We're all right today, yeah. There's nothing wrong with this. Totally against it. I feel I don't know what they're being liberated from. Men were also supposed to benefit from the sexual revolution. But marriage decreases morbidity and mortality for men. Married men earn more on average than single men. Married men have more sex on average than single men. The greatest impact of the sexual revolution for men hasn't been more sex, but far more pornography. Pornography use can be correlated with addictive behavior as well as depression. Pornography use also correlates with sexual dysfunction. Millennials get blamed for a lot. Now a federally funded study finds that they're having less sex than any other generation. With internet porn, a guy can see more hot babes in 10 minutes than his ancestors could see in several lifetimes. We're also seeing men be less inclined to engage in intimate relationships, less in able to even perform. Furthermore, the death of marriage has meant the death of male roles. If men are not protectors and provider, they lose their roles. Fewer men are getting married, fewer men are fathers. This means they direct their energies elsewhere. Opioid deaths have surged among single and divorced men. While 61% of the adult population is married, only 28% of opioid deaths occur among married men. Never married and divorced adults represent 32% of the population and 71% of opioid deaths. The consequences of the sexual revolution for our society are grim. Depression and gender dysphoria are now running rampant. The fertility rate for the United States has dropped from 3.6 children in 1958 to 1.7 children today. In the 1950s, men married at 23 and women at 20. Today, it's 29 for men and 27 for women. We have become a country without a future, literally, all to fulfill a perverse lie that meaning is to be found purely in genital pleasure. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Debunked. If you become a member today, you can stay up to speed on all new episodes and view the entire first season available right now. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Use promo code Debunked for 20% off.